Tasting Anarchy, your wine and liberty podcast. Join Mason and Jake each week as they try new wines and discover how much government is in your drink. Hello and welcome to another fantastic episode of Tasting Anarchy. I am your host, Jacob Lindsay, and as always, I'm joined by... Mason Joseph. And uh, we've been, I guess, not recording steadily for a couple of weeks but we're back in the flow, and I feel good. Mm-hmm. Feel good about this episode because I got uh, I got some complaining to do, and then some <laughs> some interesting articles to to go over as well. Uh, we talked a little bit before the episode began, and you are not drinking anything tonight. But do you have any honorable mentions from the last week or so? Um, so I do not remember the name of either of the beers I had today. I'm going to try to look one of them up while I talk. Okay. But, um, um, yeah, I had one from O'Connor's, which was one I hadn't had before. It's a double IPA. It's like 8.9 ABV. Um, of course, you know, typing O'Connor's into Google didn't bring up anything. Got to type in brewery. <laughs> well, you know what I could do? I could I could go ahead and go over my – I have like four yeah. – I have like four beers that I wanted to talk about today. Um, <laughs> okay. And so I'll go over my first one while you're looking that up. And this yeah. one, I got this. I don't remember if you reviewed this or not or if we talked about it at one point uh, or possibly we talked about it with the Peaceful Treason guys. But when I was in Whole Foods earlier, which we'll get into my complaints and stuff about Whole Foods in a little while, but mm-hmm. um, they had like a like a loose beer thing. Like where I guess they were like yeah, like build a six pack or something like that. Well, it wasn't that. It was they they had the build the six pack section, but then they had like up front there was like warm beers that I think had been part of packs and had like the pack had broken or whatever. It was like discounted singles. Huh. Yeah. It was. It was kind of weird. It was almost all Texas beer. Uh, That's fun. Yeah. It was. It was interesting. I was in there to get soup for Victoria because Victoria's not been feeling well. Like we almost never shop at Whole Foods because it's too expensive. But yeah, I was gonna say, like, I didn't think you were a Whole Foods person. No, no, but they but they have really good soup, and uh, <laughs> so I was over there getting soup, and I just happened to see this, and I and you know, they it said oh you know on sale or whatever. It wasn't really a great buy, but I thought it was kind of interesting what they had in there. So I was like, well, let me get this. So the one I got that I I vaguely recall somebody telling me about this. It may have been you, or maybe the peaceful treason guys, or. Maybe nobody ever told me about it, and I just made that up in my head. But it's uh, from Dogfish Head. It's called mm-hmm. Midas Touch. Uh, I have had Midas's Touch, but I don't know if I've necessarily told you about it. If if I had, it wouldn't have been in either one of our memories. Okay, you know, just that long ago. Okay, yeah. So I, I thought it was interesting when I read it. I was like, this seems familiar. It's called Midas Touch Ancient Ale. It's nine percent alcohol by volume, uh, according to the label. And I did a little bit of look up on this and apparently it's legit uh this beer is made from ingredients found in a 2700 year old drinking vessel that was in the tomb of possibly king midas they don't know for sure if that's whose tomb it was but uh it is some it's a tomb that matches that description i guess Mm -hmm. uh they don't know exactly who whose tomb it is but they found ingredients inside that vessel and this is what they made and the ingredients that they found were uh, barley, honey, uh, white wine. They use Muscat in this, and um, and that is possibly what it was back then because Muscat's a very old grape, and saffron. Mm-hmm. So it's an interesting beer. It's not my favorite ever. Uh, I mean, it was. I think it was two bucks, so it's worth that. <laughs> 
Yeah, I've had that one before, and I didn't care for it at the time. But I think it's one of those ones I'd probably like more now. Okay. I think I would get more out of it personally. Yeah, I mean, it's it's definitely interesting. I don't know that I would get this again unless somebody just had it. Mm-hmm. Uh, it is it is interesting. Uh, but, you know, it's not my favorite thing ever. It, 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 like I said, it's interesting. Uh, I recommend people try it. Like, I think it's interesting to try something that's that old. But I, I also kind of believe in like the progress of beer making, and that as time goes forward, it seems like beer does get better. And um, <laughs> so, uh, yeah, it would it would be it would be interesting if you saw somebody like take riffs on that. You know what I mean? Like trying yeah. more things. Yeah, I I, I would yeah because I'm not sure like if you're just finding residue inside of a vessel like how do you know how much of what is in there and then what and like maybe maybe they were able to identify the yeast that was used but like what yeast was used is it and I would imagine it's just wild yeast but what was the wild yeast that was a, that was in that part of I guess uh, Greece at the time um, yeah you know that that kind of thing is like it's hard to tell because you know yeast does impart a flavor to the beer mm-hmm. and uh, so I, I don't know. I, I like it. I think it's interesting. I'm going to be done with it, and I probably won't think about it again for a, a while. Uh, I think Dogfish Head makes a lot of really good beers. You, you, one of your favorites is Dogfish Head. Yes. And uh, and this one is is good. It's well made. It, it's interesting. But um, I think some of the other ones that I had today were also good, and I have another one that I'm about to drink that I think is really interesting sounding, and so I'll give a review once I open that and take a sip of that as well. Yeah. Um, so go ahead and do beer, yours. Yeah, so the beer I had that I can find because Wild Wolf Brewing in like Nelson, Virginia or wherever it is, uh, their website won't come up. So O'Connor's uh, Angler's End Hazy Double IPA. Okay. Um, so it's not, like I said, it's 8.9 ABV. So, I mean, it's rather high up there, but it doesn't taste like it's been hopped to death. So like, you know, Hoptopus has that like strong upfront punch. This is much more mellow. Okay. Um, so, you know, they're like, they like the description on the website and on the can or the bottle is um, unique blend of six different hops, ex- exhibiting notes of grapefruit, lemongrass, wild forest fruit, and pine resin. Um, so, like, you know, obviously I know what gra- grapefruit tastes like. I know what lemongrass tastes like. I don't know what wild forest fruit means. Okay. Um, and I don't think pine resin is necessarily something I want to taste. I, you know, to me it just tastes hoppy, it, but it doesn't taste like, it doesn't taste like um, soap hops, and it's not like just dominating hops. But it's a nice flavor. It was, it was a good beer. It's just one of those ones where, um, you know, like I like their El Guapo a lot better. Um, yeah, I like I like that El Guapo a lot. I also yeah. like the uh, Spy Hop is one of my favorite ones that they do. Yeah. It, they're not pouring spy hop at the moment, but I mean they've got like if you go and look at their like what they're pouring and their website. I mean they've got so many beers these days, um, like they're just always doing something different. But yeah, I mean it was super cloudy. It was a it was a good beer. And then uh, the wild wolf one I had was like a Belgian style, and like they talk about notes of coriander and peppercorn in it. Like I remember from the menu, but it did, I didn't you know coriander is. Um, cilantro but i didn't taste that i didn't taste the peppercorn so i was fine <laughs> so okay well yeah. that sounds pretty both of those sound actually pretty good and yeah and i was i was definitely in a beer mood today so i probably would have liked both of those yeah i, I haven't so tell I, me about oh, this good. whole foods incident okay yeah so 
this is a weird thing I think to be angry about, but like it really okay. irritated me. <laughs> is so I went there, I got soup, uh-huh. and you know they have these like containers that you that are like uh, like cardboard containers kind of that you put soup in, mm-hmm. and they've clearly changed those containers, okay, to be thinner. And mm-hmm. and there's like a little stamp on the side that's like we care about the environment and this is made out of recycled paper or whatever. Mm-hmm. And I was like, okay, that's fine. But it I could like they're very clearly thinner. And then I went up to the, the to the front after getting I got I got four little cups of soup because Victoria wanted three different types and they have this New England clam chowder that I really like. Mm-hmm. And so I got that for myself. And Victoria wanted these other she wanted to try these three other types. And so I brought them up to the counter. I could already tell that they were not uh, really holding together that well. Oh, no. And uh, the guy gave me a paper bag, and the paper mm-hmm. bag had this this little sign on the side that was like made out of 100% recycled paper. Mm-hmm. And I was like, okay, well, you know, I'm just driving home real quick. It's not going to be that big of a deal. So I, I, I didn't hold it by the top of the bag. I just kind of like held the bottom and, and walked out. But already the condensation on the outside of the, the bottles was kind of like soaking into the paper and I could tell the paper mm-hmm. paper was going to rip. So at, by the time I got to the car, the bag was already not useful oh, at all. And I thought about it. I was like, maybe I'll go in there and talk to them about it. And I was like, but you know what? They don't, I, they may have had plastic bags somewhere else, but I was like, this is really frustrating to me because I, I get it that they're trying to make the environment, like help the environment and stuff like that. But this shit doesn't work. It, mm-hmm. it just—it's just not quality. It doesn't—it doesn't do well. They, they, I don't know if they're using less, less like wax or whatever on the paper, or if it's just too thin, or what the deal is. But like the soup, the soup containers don't work as well. And I still had one stop to make on the way home, and that was to stop at Starbucks to get, um, you know that they—they they have this like nitro cold brew now. Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't know if it's new, but like I discovered, I like it, and so. I, 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 I was coming home from the gym and I wanted to stop at Starbucks and get that. And I, I uh, messaged Victoria and was like, do you want a nitro cold brew too? And she liked it as well. And so I stopped there. The soup was okay in the car. And I ran inside. I ordered the Starbucks. They did it. And then they gave me this cup that had this like gigantic hole in the top. <laughs> the adult sippy cup. Yeah. And I, and I said, mm-hmm. hey, can I get a cup, uh, uh, like a lid that like isn't open? Mm-hmm. And they're like, "Oh, well, this the, this drink comes with this lid." I said, "Yeah, but I'm driving, and I need the I need like a lid that's not open." And the dude was like, "Well, but this is the lid that comes with this drink." I was like, "Well, <laughs> I was like, well, just pour it into a different cup and just give me the same drink, but in a different cup with the lid that's mm-hmm. closed." And he's like, "Well, I I can't. These are the ones that this comes in." And I, I felt like I was in idiocracy. Or something mm-hmm. where, like, I'm trying to dis- explain to this guy that there's a gigantic hole in the top of this. I'm trying to go drive, and like, it, it can I cover it with? Do you have something I can cover it with? Like, and whether or not this is true, but one of the, the other lady who was there was like, "Well, these are more environmentally friendly," and I was like, "Because they don't have straws." It, well, I guess that's the reason. And and I was like, "I don't, I don't care if I have a straw. I just want a lid that's not open." And and I'll just take the lid off and sip the drink at home. I don't, I don't care. I, I don't want a straw. I want a, a lid that's closed so that when I'm driving, it doesn't spill all over the place. Yeah. And I they didn't understand what I was asking apparently. So I was like, you know what? I, I don't I don't have time for this. I've got soup in the car that's like in cardboard containers that are collapsing. 
I'll I'll just take the cups the way they are. And and I didn't actually end up spilling them. It was fine. I put them in the cup holders and like, but I had to drive home holding the soup containers so that they wouldn't mm-hmm. so that they wouldn't like crush each other because the bag also the bag was already ripped, but I had to like stack them in the bag kind of still so that they wouldn't tip over in the car, Mm -hmm. but they were like kind of on each other. So then the ones on top were crushing the ones on (laughs) underneath and the lids were like folding in on themselves. And I was like, I don't, I, I care about the environment. I really do. (laughs) But doing this just makes me angry and makes me not want to shop at these places. Yeah. And, and I would, I, I just want a plastic bag that, a plastic bag would have solved all of this. Possibly. And well, I mean it would have at least for the soup it would have it would have not ripped the bag, then it would be been easier for me to carry the soup and if you tie it correctly, it would have given a little bit of structural support to the cups. Which the cups sucked anyways, they shouldn't have replaced they shouldn't have made them these like recycled mm-hmm. cups or whatever. And then the other thing too, and I saw people doing this. I should have done it because when I saw somebody doing it, I was like, "Oh, that's kind of weird." There was a guy doubling up the cups. Yeah. So if you're doubling up the cups, why don't you just make the cups, you know, one and a half times as thick so that they work and then you're like, people are going to waste this anyways. And what if I had dropped it outside and they had broken, then I would have had to like throw them away and come back in and get more soup. Yeah. And, or, or, you know, whatever. That's none of their concern. Yeah. It was, it was, I was so irritated when I got home from this. And then I, because of the bags being bad and not working and because I had, Starbucks cups that didn't have like closed lids. I had to mm-hmm. make I had to make like three trips to the car to get all my stuff because <laughs> I because I had to carry the soup by themselves because they were all gonna crush each other, and mm-hmm. and I didn't have a secure bag for them. Then I had to go back and get the Starbucks cups, and I couldn't put those together with anything because they had holes in the top. And then I had to go back again to get my last items that were out of the car, or the beers is what I went and got. So I I, I get it. I want to reaffirm this. Like I do care kind of about like environmental things, but this stuff is really frustrating and I don't think it's good for the environment ultimately because I think it makes people use stuff more frequently. Yeah. So, I mean, that's the thing is like the, the Starbucks cup, like I don't think you would have spilled it in the car and I don't know if you would have been as angry yeah. Had you not had the experience with Whole Foods. Well that that's true. I, I think that I think that like actually I think neither one of these experiences would have made me particularly angry uh if they were independent of each other. Yeah. I think that like the soup thing I would have been like, well that's kind of annoying, but I would have forgot about it. And then the Starbucks thing, if I had if I didn't have other stuff, to me it would have been like, Oh, this is not a big deal. I'll just like put them in the cup holder in the car and just be careful. Yeah, or so. just you know, knowing you finished the drink before you even got in. Yeah, I could I could have done that. Yeah, so <laughs> um, yeah, it it was it was an it was annoying, um, but it kind of it it gave some fodder for the show because I also have an article that's sort of related to this, and I think that this is something that's interesting that uh, is topical for us because uh, it, it it's related to like so. You know, we talk a lot about environmental things, and we mentioned peaceful treason earlier, and that's one of the things we have in common with them is we're kind of mm-hmm. interested in a lot of these environmental topics. And um, one of the things that you and I have mentioned before, I don't know how if we've gotten into it too much, but um, that like recycling is uh, often a uh, net negative on the environment. Yes, because uh, it tends to use a lot more energy, 
and all that sort of stuff. But I, I was kind of thinking about it a little bit more when I was reading this article, and I'll go and summarize the article and we'll get into it. But I'm reading more into it because this article is, I think, the only reason this article exists and these problems exist, it's about California, is because tra- <laughs> trash collection and disposal is socialized. And, mm-hmm. and so I'll go ahead and get into it, and we'll kind of like talk about like the problems, a little bit of the problems that we know about with recycling in general, and just sort of this whole this whole issue that's going on when it comes to recycling. So the article is called uh, "Bill Requiring Beverage Makers to Handle Recycling Dyes." Uh, it's from the Press Democrat, and the article is by Don Thompson. I'll put a link in the show notes about that. Um, so a lawmaker in California called it quits after his bail. F- his bill failed for the second time. Um, he 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 fell short by four votes. Uh, so uh, the bill would require beverage distributors to create a new system to take back their own containers. So, like if you if you're a manufacturer that uses you know plastic bottles, you have to have some sort of thing that can take your plastic bottles back. Um, mm-hmm. And now, recycling advocates and this particular lawmaker say this is not the end. They're going to push forward, and, and I'll get into uh, one of the ways that they're planning to push forward in a minute. Um, so instead – actually, apparently the next item. <laughs> so uh, instead of the bill um, – instead of trying to push a bill through the legislature, the lawmaker and advocates are going to focus on working with Gavin Newsom to fix the state's, quote, broken recycling program uh, via executive order. <sighs> So wonderful. Yep. So apparently that's the new problem, and apparently Gavin Newsom has is very sympathetic to uh, this issue. California does have a lot of problems with their recycling system, uh, the way it works currently, and um, so that's that's one of the things that he is vowed to fix while he's governor. Um, so, anyways, this is I, like I mentioned earlier. This is the second time the bill has uh, failed. Uh, in California, you pay between five and ten cents more per can or bottle. Um, and can get this money back when you return the bottle uh, to a recycling center. Uh, the prop, mm-hmm. the problem is that uh, due to uh, the failing program and budget shortfalls, they've actually had to close down about fifty percent of recycling centers in the state. <laughs> and this makes it very difficult for people to turn their bottles in. And they've seen uh, a lot of uh, decrease in people returning their cans and bottles. Uh, and uh, so, anyway, so Gavin Newsom he says that he wants to. Figure out a way to increase this and get a hundred million dollars or whatever in uh, new recycling. Uh, but the the proposed bill was uh, similar to a bill that is going on in Oregon that requires beverage companies to create centers to accept their bottles and cans back, so that uh, people who purchase them can get their rebate. Uh, and it also says that uh, the main Opponents to this bill were not people like Coca-Cola and Pepsi and those type of people. Those people actually were were happy to work with it. It was uh, the liquor and wine industry in California that uh, created the most, uh, you know, brouhaha about it. And uh, they said that they believed that it would create an undue hardship upon their industry because uh, for a number of reasons. But one of the reasons is that one winery makes a lot of wine but they don't necessarily have a lot of locations all over the state so mm-hmm. so to to ha- force them to try to create a place where they could receive these these glass bottles would be very difficult for them and um 
then the uh, wine industry spokesperson, I guess, in CA, uh, made it clear that they're open to helping with other types of recycling programs, but this particular program and this solution was going to be too costly for their uh, constituents. So that is the summary of the article. I think this is really interesting. Like one of the things that I thought was interesting about it is that recycling cans and bottles actually used to be like a big money-making thing for me when I lived in California when I was a kid. You know, you go door to door and knock on people's doors and say, hey, do you have any you know cans that you want to recycle? Mm-hmm. Uh, and you collect them all and you bring them down to the recycling center. And as you know, I cheated, cheated the system a lot. So I would stop at like the volleyball court or uh, this place where there's a bunch of gravel and I would like fill the bottoms of the cans with sand or with gravel and then cr- <laughs> crush them down because they would weigh more and you make a little bit more money that way. It, it's funny because like I wouldn't imagine you doing that because I see you as more – too honest yeah <laughs> as a kid you know what i mean yeah like now like yeah so like when i was a kid so obviously you remember pembroke mall yeah um so right outside of pembroke mall where the shell station used to be where there's that uh walgreens or whatever now yeah there used to be like a, a semi truck trailer that was just like these people who did recycling of cans and stuff and then the city i think put them out of business when the city started doing recycling but back in the day they did recycling based on like a little like a kind of like a like a storage tote I mean, yeah it's like barely that big and you just put that out so and then you know obviously now they have like the trash can size thing and yeah like in norfolk where i live like as you remember like they basically were like couldn't get somebody who wanted to fulfill the contract for what the city was willing to pay for it because mm-hmm. like china wasn't buying the like the garbage anymore basically yeah well and that was i think that was actually one of the deals with recycling in california and probably one of the reasons why they had to shut down so many locations was they they used to ship all this stuff out of the country Mm -hmm. and one of the other things that they used to collect which was weird that it was part of the recycling deal was um used denim so that was like oh, yeah. that was like a really popular thing too like if, if we could go door to door and we'd knock on the door and be like hey do you have any used denim like we were weird kids like when i think back at it like this was a strange thing but like we were hustlers a little bit like we would we yeah. would, we would try to figure out ways to make money so we could go get a slurpee or whatever down 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 at the store cuz my parents weren't giving us any money we didn't ha- they didn't have any money to give us yeah i mean they still like they still recycle a lot of denim okay like, interesting into stuff you know so they like recycle it and then like they you can make um like insulation out of it and stuff. Huh. Yeah, there's there's a lot that goes on with that. Yeah, this well this from what I understood and and this may not be true and this was the other weird thing about me being a kid. I like we would like stay and like talk to people forever. And so we we used to go down to the recycling center and like hang out. And <laughs> and there was like, you know, teenagers or whatever that ran it and they would, you know, talk mm-hmm. to us and le- and let us hang around and stuff. But they they said that one what they would do with the denim is they would send it to Japan and Jap- the Japanese wanted used American denim. Mm-hmm. That was like a big market for them, so they would buy it from us for like three or four dollars a pair of pants, and then they would go and sell it there for like twenty bucks, and then those people would sell it then to like the Japanese for like a hundred bucks, or, <laughs> or awesome. yeah, it was like some sort of crazy deal. I don't know how much of that was true. I just remember that this is what they used to tell us. But we would we would go down there behind the railies in Eldorado Hills and go turn these in, and they would always ask us. They would be like, "You didn't fill these cans with sand, did you?" And we'd be like, "No." And and they'd be like, okay, here's uh, here's they give us these little printout slips, and we'd have to go into the railies, and then the railies would give us cash because they never had cash mm-hmm. in the recycling center. 
Yeah. And then you go and get like a Slurpee or whatever. But kind of what, what this sort of leads back to when it comes to, I guess, the the angle of the show a little bit is that at, when I first read this article, I was like, this is a stupid program. But then like as I was kind of like mulling it over in my head a little bit, I was like, it is a stupid program. But it is it is sort of trying to mimic the free market. Because mm-hmm. in the free market, there would be a price for cat for trash disposal. But right now, if you make you know a, a ton of trash and I make half a ton of trash, we pay the same amount because the trash uh, disposal is is socialized. Theoretically, I mean, like I I know what you mean. Yeah. Um. But like, so like one of the things that happens quite frequently is like if you're like at a like a home. Please, mm-hmm. if your if your um, if your trash can is too heavy, they won't dump it because it can damage the machine. Okay, so like you can't technically f- like there is a limit. You know what I mean? Like, it, but I I, I get yeah. what you're saying, and and it's not like um it, like it doesn't matter because like you could theoretically just go to your neighbor's trash can and yeah. dump a bunch of stuff in there, like. You, you're, there isn't you're not paying for like the true rate of trash right well and, and see we have a very similar situation here in um in the building is one of the things that irritates me a lot about living in an apartment is um the way that trash is disposed here i don't get a say in it so they have the valet trash service and i really dislike the valet trash service i think it's incredibly inconvenient The idea is that you you fill your trash up during the day and then you put it out in in the hallway uh, at night and some somebody comes and collects it or whatever. But a I walk by the trash compactor or the trash room or whatever it's called every single day. So to me, it's not inconvenient for me to just throw my bag of trash in there, Mm -hmm. and 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 I don't want to have to wait till the end of the day if there's something that smells bad in the trash. Yeah. So. We rarely use the valet trash service. I've asked them a billion times if I could just opt out of it. They said no because it's the same for everybody. But this is this kind of on a on a micro scale mimics the macro scale. It's that you know you don't have uh, a specialized service, and then also I can throw whatever I want into the trash room, and they'll never know who threw it in there unless like I had like mail or something in there. And mm-hmm. so like I'll admit it on here because we're moving out of the building, and I don't really care. I actually we we got a new bed and we need to throw away our old mattress, mm-hmm. and and you can recycle mattresses and stuff. I just didn't want to deal with it. I called a couple of places and they they said they'd come pick it up, but it would cost me money. And I was like, well, I don't really want to do that. And so it actually sat inside this in the our living room in our little you know nine hundred square foot apartment or whatever. It sat in the living room against the wall for like two months. And finally, mm-hmm. finally, I just got really frustrated with it, and I just dragged it out to the trash room at night and left it in there. <laughs> and and the next day, it was gone. So either somebody needed it, took it, and used it for themselves, or they threw it in the big trash can, and the trash people came and picked it up. Whatever, whatever it was, because I purposely waited until it was the night before uh, trash would come get picked up, mm-hmm. because I didn't I didn't want to leave it in the trash room because it does it does take up a lot of space and stuff, but. Yeah. Uh it was it was one of those things where it was like, well, theoretically I really should have paid to have that disposed of. But mm-hmm. I didn't want to, and so I didn't. <laughs> and and that's kind of the deal that happens with uh the socialized trash collection on a on a on a larger scale is 
that you can if you can chop it up and put it in your trash can, they're going to take it away. But if you're mm-hmm. if you're you know quote unquote responsible and environmentally friendly, and you separate your recyclables and recycle it and bring it down to a recycling center in California every single week or every month or whatever, uh, you still have to pay the same amount of money as the person who doesn't recycle. Mm-hmm. Now you are getting a little bit back theoretically on your on your bottles and cans and that sort of stuff, but you're creating less trash than that other guy, but you still have to pay the same amount to have it taken away, and there's no way to opt out of it. So exactly, and the, and that's the thing is like, you know, even then you're it's not like you're like you don't there isn't an incentive to like find the best place to recycle, you know, yeah, like, that are going to give you the most money or, or anything like that, and like they don't. Like even though it's like oh it's just down the street it's like that's not con- like yeah it's not it's not convenient yeah and, trash is an yeah. economic calculation and this is clearly like not using the efficiencies of the market to collect it and then do something with it right and, and I was actually talking to Victoria about this earlier is uh, there was actually an episode of Tom Woods about this where they kind of go through it and and you and I alluded to it earlier where they say that. Like even like recycling is is a net negative when it comes to energy use and what you get back out of recycling, and so that's one thing. But the other thing too is um, there's no cost realizations, which is kind of the whole point of this is how much does it cost to throw away a glass bottle? No, mm-hmm. nobody knows, and no, and how much does it cost to throw away an aluminum can or a plastic bag? Which we were just out in California last week. You have to buy plastic bags there now, mm-hmm. and and that is actually I was I was really irritated by it, but that did also kind of like make me start thinking a little bit about it. And I was like, this is a government mandate that is trying to kind of mimic what the free market would do, anyways, which is build in a cost somehow into how into disposing of these plastic bags. They're doing it in the incorrect way, I think. But, but I mean, is the is it really? So, and this is, would be my question is like, is it really building in a cost for the disposal of the bag or is it more of the production of the bag? Well, I think that they're doing it to discourage you from using the bag. So like, it, mm-hmm. it's not very much. I think, I think we went in Target and so when you do the self-checkout at Target there, you have to like type in how many bags you're using mm-hmm. and, and the bags are not at the register. You have to go walk to this other place and take one mm-hmm. and they're... They're thicker bags, so they're they're a little bit more convenient bags. Um, so you could theoretically reuse them. And if I lived out there, I probably would, because it's ten cents a bag, or maybe it was five cents. I can't remember exactly. Yeah, it's five or ten. Five yeah. or ten. It's around that amount. So I was like, this kind of makes sense. So it's either the cost of the bag, but ultimately, the the way that the law works in California is that those companies have to pay the state for those bags. Mm, so okay. yeah, so it's kind it's so. Maybe it's not really a cost for the bag. It's more of a cost for cleaning the bags up if they don't make it into a uh, landfill or uh, recycling center or whatever. Mm-hmm. That seems to be what the cost is. Uh, but it, it it's a it's so inconvenient. There, there's a lot of inconvenience about it. One is that the bag is not available to me at the checkout place. I have to walk over to this other section and get and get a bag. And yeah. and then I and then instead of like like scanning the bag or something like that, I have to like type in. It's like Aldi. Like you yeah. scan, or Aldi or Lidl, you scan the bag itself. Which I find that to be more convenient than like, in this yeah. case, like I had to like type in the number of bags in the like, the kiosk. It, it was it was weird. Now granted, I'm not used to it, so that might have been part of it. It was like, there's like a learning curve of it, but it, I just found it annoying. 
Well, I mean, as you and I have discussed, um, like, I find it very frustrating that, like, they're taking away a consumer's choice. Mm-hmm. Cause, and, like, a producer's choice. Because as a producer, like, what if I want to eat that 10 cent cost? Because I want to be the one who can give you a bag. Mm-hmm. Or offers a bag. Whereas, like, there's a place in California. Do you remember Winco? Yeah, Winco, yeah. Actually, there's, yeah, like, Win- there's Winco out here, too. Yeah, yeah. I mean, they're, they're much more over the place now. But, like, Winco was, like, great because it's all stuff in bulk. And, you know, like, there's it was very different. Yeah, and they, like, they offer a really good senior discount, too. My grandma shops there. Yeah, I mean, like, you get everything in bulk. I mean, it was yeah. really, like, a much more much more interesting place yeah like bulk you had to bag yourself like a lot of them didn't offer you couldn't use credit cards there but the prices were so much cheaper because they didn't have to you know pay the processing cost right of a credit yeah card yeah and you know like that's the thing is like they take away people's ability to like a retailer's ability to adjust their own behaviors to meet consumer demand right because like what if target just said look we're gonna buy these bags and we're just going to eat the cost. Right. Yeah. Like, that, that sort of, oh no, no, it's not a load. So it, it's just the government like created a problem and is now trying to impose a solution. Yeah. And the solution is annoying and inconvenient. And I, it's interesting to talk to people who live out there because to them it's like, oh, well, this is just the way it is. It's, it's so interesting how quickly people adapt to that. Yeah. Because when we were out there, it was so frustrating for us. But it was, and it's like such a minor thing. But, <laughs> but like when I got to the checkout, I was buying cough drops because we were, we both had a cough. And mm-hmm. I was buying cough drops. And uh, also, Victoria didn't like the way the water tasted there. And so <laughs> I was buying like a big jug of water. And, mm-hmm. um, but I, I didn't want to have to like carry around a jug of water. So I wanted a bag. And then I, mm-hmm. and then like that's when I noticed I was like, there's no bags here. So I, I had to ask like the target person. I was like, "Where's the bags?" And they were like, "Oh, well, you have to go over there and get one." And I was like, <laughs> "I was like, what?" And they were like, "You know, you just have to go get a bag." I, I don't, I don't understand. Why aren't they here? And it, this is like the first time I went there, and and they were like, "Well, um, you just have to go get a bag." And like I, but like they didn't understand why I was asking them, and I didn't understand <laughs> why I had to go do it. So it was like this weird like cultural rift where i was like i i I don't understand and they were like i don't understand what is your problem (laughs) why are you in my face get lost yeah it was it was like it was a weird it was like a weird interaction i was like this is this is like this is like a clear display of like the division in america kind of thing where i was like (laughs) we both speak english we both are americans we don't have like separate accents or anything like that but I don't understand what's going on. And you clearly don't understand why I have a problem with what's going on. (laughs) It was a really weird thing. Yeah. Yeah. That's one of those things. It's like um, there was pictures of people in Thailand because Thailand banned plastic bags. And like, you know, people were bringing in like flower pots and all that stuff to like collect their shopping and things like that. And, you know, people were like, people were memeing it and like, like, oh, look how funny it is. How quickly the ties are adjusting to us taking away their choices and not trying to think outside of the box other than, oh, let's use the, you know, strong hand of the market, you know, strong hand of the government to literally remove your choices. Yeah. It's yeah. like, you know, it, like in a country where people are, you know, 
pretty friggin' poor. Here's grandma, like, could have been, you know, using a bag, you know, like, had bags and stuff like that. Or, like, with the plastic bags, what if they were the easiest way for her to carry it? You know, like, it, yeah. it's removing customers' options, so. Well, there's also, you know, one of the other things I was thinking about with the plastic bags, too, is we don't we do not do it very much around where we live because we have, uh, but when we move into a house, we probably will, it, we have a lot of like the the poop bags for dogs um, that mm-hmm. that are just like in the area because there's a lot of dogs around here. So they the apartment complexes and, like, and stuff like fill up these like dispensers of poop bags, mm-hmm. so you can just like pull one out. But when we lived in a place that didn't have as many of those, um, we just used we used a lot of like bags from like Kroger or whatever. Mm-hmm. Like it's just an easy way to do it. But like when you think about it now, if you had to pay for those then more people are going to be buying these poop bags. So, mm-hmm. like, so like people do repurpose the plastic bags that they're given. Yeah, but I mean, like, I think there is, like, a pretty heavy statistical evidence, like, they don't repurpose them anywhere near as much. Because, I mean, I used to do the same thing. But I heard Kroger was going to eventually phase out offering plastic bags. Hmm. And we talked about that on the show. Yeah. But I ended up getting tired of using those bags. And ended up buying like a thousand bags for like twenty bucks on Amazon. And yeah, you know the the standard little size one. Now, of course, I could have gotten the ones that biodispose, but I got the Amazon basic ones. So yeah, it was like cheap as bejesus. Right. Well, I was actually I was talking to Victoria about this. Uh, uh, actually, maybe I was. I don't remember exactly, but I was thinking about this when I was walking the dogs the other day, and I was like, I wonder if I should just like take all of these bags before we move. <laughs> And just have all of them. <laughs> I, I will send you a, yeah. a thousand bags yeah. from Amazon. Well, yeah, they, they are. They're really cheap. But actually, like, uh, TJ Maxx has them for super cheap, too. So we, we, yeah. we'll probably get them there. But, like, I, that crossed my mind when I was, like, when I was, like, because we actually do right now. We, we take two or three of them when we're before. If, like, uh, you know how, like, dog leashes have those, like, metal loops on the end? I don't. I don't know if they're actually four bags, but that's what we use them for. And, well, like um, when I bought, so like I was in Walmart just dicking around one day, and I bought a little fire hydrant disposer or dispenser for mm-hmm. bags, mm-hmm. and used, and that's what I was using. And then I just bought the refills from Amazon. Yeah. Okay. Well, that's that's so, probably then. Yeah. What, yeah. <laughs> so we do what we do is like we pull like three out and then stick them through that little metal loop on the leash and then. When we run out, we just grab some more from like little dispensers. But when we, yeah, when I we, yeah. I remember you guys did that because I was, uh, when I walked Foxy a few times. Yeah. When you guys were away one time. Yeah. Yeah. We, you just kind of stuck them in the loop or whatever. Yeah. And yeah, that works fine. And around here, like there, there's so many of those things that we usually just pull like two or three and then, uh, and that's enough. But anyways, enough of, Enough of weird plastic bag type talk. That I think I, dog dog poop talk. Yeah, yeah. Well, I, I'm gonna uh, I'm gonna put that that article in the um, the show notes. If anybody has any thoughts about that, because this is an interesting topic, I think, and it is one that keeps coming up, and it and it's pertinent to the wine industry because the wine industry in California is going to be disproportionately affected by this. Uh, mm-hmm. They are America's largest producer of wine, and all not all wine, but almost all wine is is put into glass bottles. So that actually that might be something that gets impacted by this later is that maybe we'll see more cans and and bags and things like that or boxes mm-hmm. um as a result of of laws like this but you know 
let's wait and see. So I've got I've got uh, three other beers. I, I'll give a I'll give a quick uh, readout, and then we'll do yeah. our our last article that I have. Uh, well, while you're prepping for that, okay. Um, so Childerberg, which is our annual event in Texas, is the 23rd through the 26th of uh, May. So that for everybody who doesn't realize this. It's like Memorial Day weekend is part of that. Oh, I didn't know that. Yeah, so like uh, when I requested the time off, that Monday is like one of those holidays, whatever the whatever the late May holiday is, um, is that weekend. So keep that in huh. mind, folks, um, for people who may be traveling in, in those sort of things. So, you, you know, I don't know if that's going to impact flight prices or anything like that. Uh, but or, you know, maybe, hey, people can stay a little longer because they don't have to take as many days off of work. Um so we're going to have fun, friends, everything like that in Texas. It'll be great. Uh, you can find more information on childerberg.com. You can also follow us on Twitter, Twitter, uh, Tasting Anarchy on Twitter. Uh, you can send us an email at tastinganarchy at gmail.com. And you can also go to tastinganarchy.com and see our often not used website. <laughs> yeah, that's true. We, we do need to, we need to work on, on getting that updated. I, I, yeah. me- I mentioned it in the, in the mini episode that we did two episodes ago when this is being released. So uh, I think when, when I move into the house and, and I have kind of my own workspace and don't have to like take things down and put things up whenever I want to do something, I think mm-hmm. I think it's going to make it a little bit easier for me to, you know, write short articles and do maybe mini episodes or uh, video, like video episodes of a review. Because mm-hmm. I, I drink a lot of wine. And uh, <laughs> like I actually had two bottles yesterday. And oh my goodness! Because I because we went out. I went to the gym, or no, I went to the gym today. Yesterday I didn't go to the gym. We went out. Victoria got her nails done, and then we went to uh, this like uh, market kind of thing. Like it was it was like a European deli kind of market that we'd never been to. It was just across from our nails, and we went to. We thought it was a restaurant. We were going to go eat there, and then it turned out it was like a deli. So mm. so we got some meat, and we had mortadella. And I like Mortadella a lot, and I and I gave a review of Mortadella with the wine that I had in the mini episode. So I had that, and uh, was just you know cleaning around the house and just kept refilling my cup, cleaning and stuff like that, and having you know a glass of water and stuff in between. And I probably finished the bottle like I started drinking it around like eleven o'clock in the morning, and mm. and then finished the bottle probably around three, and then mm. and then there's probably about three hours where I I went for a run and I walked the dogs and did all this sort of stuff and then probably around six or seven we started watching a movie so I opened another bottle and drank that bottle and then when we get, were getting ready to go to bed I was like wow I had like two bottles of wine yet today but it was oh it was over like a really long period of time over the day yeah yeah so so it was it was a lot of wine but I was like this would have been a good opportunity I could have done two different reviews um. And if we had our own room, I could, you know, and it was already set up because right now it's kind of a pain in the butt for me to set all this stuff up. So, because mm-hmm. we share the workspace, but if I had my own area, I could just kind of like pop in real quick, open the window, start a recording, be like, this is what I thought about this wine. It's really good. And uh, I thought it went well with this type of food or whatever. And, and that's it. And then maybe, you know, once a week or once a month or whatever, put out like a compilation of a bunch of different wine reviews that I had. Um, or if I have like a video component, I can kind of show the label and talk about it or something. I don't mm-hmm. know. I don't know. That's like, I stand up. But anyways. No, it's a, it's a very interesting and unique take and that makes a lot of sense. Mm-hmm. So yeah. Cause right now it takes me like 10 minutes or whatever to like get the microphone out, set it up, get like switch over to my computer from Victoria's computer 
and then because we we share the same monitors, but like we just had to switch the cable out, mm-hmm. and um, and then like I had to bring my keyboard back over, turn it on, which is not not difficult, but and then switch our mouses out and all that kind of stuff because I use yeah, a. I mean, it, it's a lot more than just powering it up, basically. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. So it's it's just, yeah it's more it's more than that and. Uh, I think when when like I have my own office, Victoria has her own office. There's also like one of the things we Victoria and I were talking about too is that there's like a period of time a lot when I get home from work where she's still working and I'm just kind of like putzing around the house. Mm-hmm. And I think I could be more productive with that time if I had like my own office space available, and or or if I could like. Like even when I go to the gym after work, sometimes I come home and she's still working, and then I don't. I I just I run the dogs outside real quick, let them pee, and then come back in, and then she's still working, and I've got to like just like wipe the counter down again or like do whatever. And, yeah, but you're you're gonna have a lot better. Yeah, I think I think yeah I think like I yeah organizing that. Anyways, let me go over these uh, other three beers that I think were pretty good. So this one of the beers that I had today, I've had four beers today. Uh, mm-hmm. Of the four that I had today, I think this one was the most interesting and probably the the one that I would be most likely to get again was uh, Blue Owl Brewing's Wee Beastie. It's uh, 9.3% ABV, which is, is pretty high for beer. Um, it's a sour wee heavy with peat malt. Huh. Yeah, so really unusual beer. It, it had a pretty cool label. It, it's uh, a Blue Owl and um, then has like some like tartan looking thing on the bottom of it mm-hmm. it was uh very dark which the taste doesn't doesn't make you think that it would be um a dark beer but i just happened to notice when like i was sipping on it that there was a little bit of the beer on the outside and it was a really dark color but mm-hmm. it was um it was definitely a sour but it had a lot of like honey notes to it and it was a little bit more um like nutty tasting than most sours so it was it had a little that like kind of sweetness to it that a lot of sours have, and it was very tart because it's a sour. But it also had like these other components that I thought were really interesting. So I might I might think about getting that again. Um, Blue Owl Brewing is in Austin, so mm-hmm. maybe that's one that we can check out during Childeberg. It, it yeah. I, I liked it a lot, or or after Childeberg, and yeah, I, I'd yeah. I'd be curious to see what else they had. It was in the, that discount thing. That was the only one that they had. So yeah, I think the uh, boys with. Um I think Peaceful Treason was trying to check them out on oh. their way to Austin. Okay. When they went to Austin, but like, because they got there like on a Monday and like everything was closed. And, or maybe Blue Owl is the one they went to. I can't remember. It was something I seem to remember them bringing them up. So we'll okay. To, next time we talk to them, we'll have to see if my memory serves correctly. Yeah, yeah. We'll, we'll have to. The, the other one that I had was also from Texas, is up in McKinney, which is uh, maybe 20 minutes away from where I live right now. Uh, it's kind of a little bit, I guess. Uh, east and north of Plano and maybe maybe 30 minutes um that's where uh, our friends at uh what's hopping podcast live uh Shane and Miko who were also at Childeberg they live up mm-hmm. they live up that way somewhere um, and Shane was on the most recent episode of um the peaceful treason peaceful treason yeah that's before. right yeah they were they were talking about the uh was it the uh Super Bowl game Mm-hmm. Um, so, which is today while we're recording this, which is currently ongoing. Yeah. Um, I was going to say, I was, I meant to like, cause I wasn't feeling good at the beginning of the episode as we briefly discussed. So like I had joked that I, in my head that I was going to do like periodic and in the game that no one gives a crap about the score is currently 
Oh, <laughs> you know, something like that. Like, because yeah. you know, either you or I like care that much about sports. Yeah, it's I mean, like, I no, ki- I kind of am interested because the 49ers are from near where yeah. I am, but like ultimately, like, that's the thing is like I think both you and I would be okay if we were at the game. Oh yeah, yeah, probably for sure. You know, having a good time, but like, there's no like hockey. Like you, you know, it's not like we either of us follow sports. Like right. Yeah, like yeah, big thing. Yeah, baseball, and baseball and hockey, I like, but I, really only if I'm there. Yeah, and that's what I thought was very funny about like the guys' episode, the guys' episode, because it was just like, I just have not cared that much about sports in a very long time, and not that there's anything wrong with the fact that they do. Yeah, it's just like has not mattered to me. <laughs> right. Yeah, it, it, that was actually kind of interesting because I, I I made that same comment to uh, to. Um, Jared and Will mm-hmm. uh, on their Discord chat. I, I was like, I honestly the the second half of your show, I didn't understand a thing that you guys were talking about because I have no idea how football works. <laughs> and and I I'd probably enjoy it more if I did, but it's just not like it's just not my thing. Uh, yeah. So, but anyways, uh, so this one tops. Well, hang on, real okay. quick. Okay. Currently, the 49ers are winning. Yeah, that's kind of what I from what I understood that was what was expected. Well, the the Chiefs were up um, hmm. when, like, kind of when we started recording. Oh, okay. Um, so, not to like give anything more away about what's going on, so you know nobody can come after us, right? <laughs> yeah. So, uh, so, anyways, yeah. the, the the next one I had was from Tups. They're up in McKinney. It's called mm-hmm. uh, Full Grown Woodsman. It's an huh. it's an Imperial Stout. It's twelve twelve point one percent ABV. You are like pounding back the beers that I would drink. Yeah, this one was actually uh, was probably the second one that I would try again. It was a great beer. Mm-hmm. Um tasted like an imperial stout. It was it was very heavy chocolatey kind of coffee notes. Uh I didn't really taste like it was that heavy in alcohol. Mm-hmm. Uh but it was good. And and I liked it a lot. The next one uh was uh it's called Coco Bueno. It it's from uh <laughs> it's from Community Brewing, which is here in in DFW, I think I think mm-hmm. I think actually Community is out in Fort Worth, but I could be wrong. I, I don't. I know they're around this area somewhere. Um, it's six point five percent ABV. Not bad. No, not no. bad at all. It's um, it is a Mexican chocolate stout with uh, cinnamon and pepper. Mm. So very interesting tasting. I like it. It does have that kind of pepperiness when you uh, swallow it. And mm. and the cinnamon is definitely there as well, uh, but also a good session beer because it's low in alcohol. So, I I, I actually all the beers that I had today I, I thought were pretty good. The Dogfish Head one was the only one that I thought was kind of odd, and I probably wouldn't have again. But all the rest of them, if I saw it like on a menu, I'd be like, yeah, I've had that. That's pretty good. I'll try it again. Yeah, that makes sense because I mean, it's definitely one of those like a, it sounds like a good cross section of. Um, beers like for trying and things like that so yeah it was was, i was i was very happy that that little container of warm single beers was there i don't don't know why they were there but yeah it it was good so uh you want to get into the last article uh let's see where we are recording wise well how how much do you have on this one it's a pretty short article it's it's basically just about the brexit okay yeah let's oh that yeah let's do a little thing on brexit real quick and then We'll try to stick on time. Yeah, yeah. I think I, I can do this yeah. in, in less than eight minutes. So uh, so apparently to, it, the article is called um, Brexit Day Embraces a Brand New World. Or, or I'm sorry. Brexit Day 
colon, quote, embrace the brave new world, end quote, says UK wine body. Uh, it's from Decanter Magazine. It's from our old friend Chris Mercer, who, mm-hmm. who, yeah, we like a lot of his articles. He's pretty straightforward and doesn't yeah. doesn't do a lot of editorial. So I like a lot of uh, his stuff. Uh, so this article, the summary is that January thirty first, twenty twenty, is the affix- official Brexit day. So that was two days ago, and um, uh, much of the UK wine industry is based on imports from Europe. Fifty five percent, according to. Uh, or 55% of wine in the UK is from the EU, according to this article. So uh, now that this has happened, that uh, so most of the wine industry uh, importers and, the, and, and people in the wine industry in the UK were very much opposed to Brexit. But now that mm-hmm. it's happened, um, the wine producers are saying that br- the British should uh, embrace the new world and move forward. So they're just saying, look, this is the way it is. No more complaining. Let's let's figure it out. So the UK is the world's number one exporter of spirits, which I didn't know that. I thought that's interesting, and we might have actually mentioned that once or twice before. I just forgotten. Hmm. Uh, but I but they are they they export the most spirits in the world, uh, and they hope to keep it that way. But be, on on the uh, I guess on the tales of Brexit, they're hoping to take the place as number one wine importer. From Germany, who is currently the number one wine importer, and UK is number two, uh, and which is interesting. I would have thought that the US was number one. Well, we talked about that the other day on like oh, yeah? one of the articles. Like I, I read it, like that Germany was like number one, which we both thought was kind of weird. Hmm. Okay, I, 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 I guess I vaguely recall that. Well, keep in mind they're also like directly attached to France. That's true, and to Italy, which is and and they're very close to Spain, and Spain's in the EU, and Spain is the yeah. number one wine exporter in the world. So, uh, so I guess that, that yeah, that makes sense then. So the UK wine industry is hoping for a zero per- percent tariff with uh, the EU, but they don't know what it's going to be at this point. But they're also looking toward the US and South America and Australia. And New Zealand and 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 South Africa and stuff like that to maybe start upping their imports from those places instead if the EU is not cooperative with Brexit terms, because apparently a lot of these terms are not set yet. The, they mm-hmm. went ahead. They went ahead with a uh, quote unquote hard Brexit and just were like, look, we can't come. Up with, we haven't come up with a deal yet. We're just leaving, and then we'll work out the rest of the stuff later. Yeah, that's what um, the Boris Johnson was basically campaigning on. It's. The people said, leave, and we're going to leave, and if you want to make a deal, we'll make a deal, but if you're not going to make a deal, we're not going to make a deal. Yeah, yeah, So that and that seems to be what they went ahead with. Uh, the, the wine importers in the UK seem to not necessarily be optimistic, but they're just saying, look, this is the world that we live in, and we accept it, and we'll, and we'll figure it out. And they're not plotting a coup yeah. and trying to... Do some political process, <laughs> right? Yeah, they're just they're just like they, you know they're figure, they're figuring it out now. As we've we've discussed in the show previously, the UK is actually producing a lot of wine themselves, uh, mm-hmm. a lot more than they they used to. They've had some really good years, so that could be uh, a little bit of a buffer. But they import so much that they do need to get the wine from somewhere, and it seems like uh, South America and the United States does seem to be the places where they're not getting a lot from currently. And they're going to really up those numbers. Uh, if if France, which is where a lot of British really they like to get Bordeaux, uh, which you know the, the the British call Claret, 
uh, is Bordeaux wine, and they like to get that. They like that wine. That's the wine that they like. But those styles of wine are also produced in the United States, and they're mm-hmm. they're similar. They're not exactly the same, but they they are similar wines, and so they may just start shifting over to buying from the United States if the EU can't come to some sort of agreement. Now, I don't imagine that the EU wants to lose those sales, and mm-hmm. so they probably will come up with something. But we'll see. We'll see what happens. Yeah. Uh, I mean, that's the thing is the EU is like it's something for another time. But like they're trying to force like cell phone manufacturers to use the same plug and stuff like that and claiming it's consumer choice. Right. So, you know, they're idiots. So mm-hmm. They are. And, and speaking of the EU, the, the part of the article that kind of concerns them specifically is that it, some of the people uh, who, who are, have their ear to the ground on this are suggesting that the EU needs to drop a lot of their outdated rules when it comes to wine regulations and um, adopt some of the regulations that the rest of the world are adopting on their own. So one of the one of the suggestions was that there is a group called uh the the World Wine Trade Group which includes uh countries like Australia and Argentina and they come up with their own regulatory practices that uh uh wineries and groups that want to join that organization adopt these practices which kind of standardizes a lot of that and mm-hmm. so they're suggesting that maybe the EU should join in that. But a lot of the EU's um, system is sort of set up on protectionism of specific wine regions. Mm-hmm. And and so this may not exactly mesh with them. So for better or for worse, this is not – it is a complicated situation. Um, you've got – you know, like Italy has the DOC and the DOCGE and then France has got all of their different tiers of, of different types of wine. And Fran- uh, Spain has got the same thing. So – there's there's a lot of complicated moving parts in the EU, so it makes a lot of that type of stuff difficult. But the people who are kind of involved in the situation are suggesting that maybe if the EU really wants to kind of either replace Britain or expand things and and maintain the British trade relation, they need to kind of update things and make it not so difficult for people to trade. And yeah, they, they've got to show like they don't hold all the cards. Right. So it, it's gone is the idea that like you can just pressure like anybody into doing whatever you want. Right, exactly. So they're losing they're losing a huge importer of wine in this case. So this may uh signal a bunch of changes for EU wine producers. Uh and it's also going to signal a big change for for British consumers and we'll see we'll see what happens. So I thought it was an interesting article. I'll link to it in the show notes. If anybody has any thoughts about it, they can they can reach out to us tastinganarchy at gmail.com. Or uh, over at Tasting Anarchy on uh, the Twitter, yep, which yeah. I which I pay attention to uh, more than I probably should. But uh, <laughs> if you ever want to talk to us, I'm there. <laughs> yeah. So, like to be honest, I thought originally that the title was a play on words and was saying that they need to embrace the new world. Oh, okay. Oh, like oh, I, you know, it kind of is. It is sort of a little bit. Of, you know, now that you mention it, I guess that is sort of a play on words because. That that's what the article is saying a lot is that they they currently right now they get fifty five percent of their wine from the EU maybe they need to start getting a lot of it from the New World South mm-hmm. Africa North America and South America and Australia so that might be that might be what their what the, the play on words is I didn't pick that up so that's actually that's a good pickup <laughs> yeah so yeah it, it's 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 gonna be interesting well, let's say it, it definitely say is that. Yeah. yeah so. 
Well, and it, um, it also might it it might offer from sort of a, a selfish perspective is this might end up offering you and me better deals on European wines. Like if they're having a hard time, they're losing this big of a market and they can't work out a deal. And right now they're getting they're also getting additional pressures from the United States because mm-hmm. everybody except for Italy pretty much is getting a hundred percent wine tariff. Yeah. So, so like you know maybe they'll have to say, start. This could, this could work out really well for both of us. Yeah, yeah. Because we could get British wines, which we're both very interested in. Yeah. But we could also get European wines as they try to undercut each other to trade with the United States. Because yeah. they won't trade with each other because they're in some anger situation. Exactly. Yeah. So uh, that that may if that works out for us, that's great. If it, if it ends up working out between them, uh, that's also great. I I, I hope so. I I think that uh, I I really wish that I could get some UK wines because I'm very interested in what they're producing there. <laughs> Me too. Uh, but you know, what, however it works out, it'll work out, and I think that that's going to be uh, very interesting. So yeah. Uh, I guess that's really it that I had prepared for today. Yeah, and and we're and we're right on time. Exactly. All right, uh, you want to go ahead and do plugs one more time before we yeah, so close you, out. You can you can follow us at uh, tastinganarchy.com or childerberg.com. You can follow us on Twitter at uh, tastinganarchy. Uh, you can send us an email tastinganarchy at gmail.com and uh, come out to Childerberg. It's going to be the twenty third through the twenty sixth in Austin, Texas. Um, I believe campsites are still available for those who want to stay at the actual event. Keep That's right. Yep. Libertarian National Convention's happening. It's also a holiday weekend, so there may not be spaces otherwise. So, you know, sign up. Yep. Um, we'll be hopefully putting out more newsletters. We'll have exciting guest announcements and all sorts of fun things to come. Yeah, so actually we do have uh, – so Nikki P has already confirmed that he's coming and, and going to play mm-hmm. some music. And actually they announced this on part of the problem – before I announced it, but it looks like Robbie is confirmed, and Robbie oh, the Fire, Robbie the Fire. Yep, Robbie yeah. the Fire will be doing some stand-up at Childerberg as well. So, the most recent episode as of uh, February 2nd, they do mention Childerberg in, in part of the problem, so that's another thing that's going to put pressure on campsites. So, right now, as of recording this, we're 55% full. Uh, that means we have 45 campsites left, and or 45 camp spots left, not necessarily full sites. But um, just to kind of clarify for everybody, when you sign up, one ticket equals one car and one tent. So mm-hmm. it, you will be sharing a campsite with somebody else. If you have more people than that, you can get two tickets, but there there is a maximum number of tickets available. Uh, I, think, I think I restricted to four cars, four tents per person. Yeah. So, um, so. so check that out. Um, and... Uh, uh, we'll, donate yeah, if you can. Yeah, right? d- yeah, we exactly. Have a donation link. Yeah, yeah. We still have a donation link on Childerberg.com, and we buy actually we could yeah buy a shirt. We, that's still available. We could definitely use the money. So uh, right now it's out of pocket. So donations are are great. Yes, sir. All right. Uh, from us at Tasting Anarchy, stay free. Drinking half gallons and calling for more. Drinking wine, for you to drink wine. Wine for you to drink wine. Wine for you to drink wine. Pass that bottle to me. Hoy! Drink it, man. Oh, give me some of that slop. Oh, pass that bottle to me. If you want to get along in Peter's town, buy some wine and pass it around. Age runs up to 49. All them cats, they love sweet wine. Drinking wine for you to drink wine. Wine for you to drink wine. Wine for you to drink wine. 
pass that bottle to me. Hoy, wine, 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 elderberry, wine, wine, cherry, cherry, wine, wine, blackberry, wine, wine, hot and cherry, wine, wine, wine. Oh, pass that bottle to me. Now down on Gilfield, Willie's den. He wasn't sailing for the American gin. One soldier wanted a bottle of wine. He hit that cat for a dollar and a dime. I drink a wine for the other day. Wine, wine for the other day. Wine, wine for the other day. Wine, pass that bottle to me. Now I got a nickel. Have you got a dime? Let's get together and get some wine. Some by fifth and some by fourth. When you get together, you're doing things smart. Drinking wine for the other day. Wine, wine for the other day. Wine, wine for the other day. Wine, pass that bottle.